You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Josh Dooley, and with me riding shotgun, as always, is Chuck Holmes. It's great to be back and all up in your business. I am super excited about this week's pod or episode. Chuck, do we do episodes or pods? What do you think? Uh, it's, it's episode because we may be more than one week or one pod a week, so it'll be episodes. Okay, so we're going to stick with episodes. Regardless, I'm excited about this one. You know, as most of you know, each week Land Grant is focusing content on a particular theme. Last week was what, e- what if, sorry, and this week is this or that. Now, when I first read it, I was like, you know, are we just choosing sides or giving our player preferences here? But that was probably like my lack of creativity. But, you know, Chuck, you and I started talking and we came up with all these different questions or scenarios that I found pretty interesting. And they really have nothing to do with do you like this guy or that guy? It's more about like themes and, you know, you know things like that. So that made me or got me a lot more excited about this week's pod. And Chuck, I know you're looking forward to it, too. So. Before we dig in, though, uh, we always bring up a couple of things that are sort of topical or that have been in the news lately uh, since we've last recorded. And so last episode, we talked about the Joe Philbin hiring, right? Um, But last week, it was last Wednesday, actually, the salary came out for Joe Philbin. And it's like 263K, something like that, if I'm not mistaken, makes him the highest paid analyst in Ohio State football history. So, Chuck, thing or not a thing that Joe Philbin is being paid upwards of $300,000? 
I'm old enough to remember when Gene Smith said that Ohio State was not going to get into the business of paying assistants a million dollars a year <laughs> a, a long time ago. So I, I think it's a good sign that they're just continuing to evolve the program and understanding what what a, an analyst can add to uh, a staff, even though it's not an on-field role. My guess is they probably had to talk to Gene about this for years as they uh, – told him what it actually meant to the program. So I think it's a good sign. Uh, I hope it's something that continues. I think obviously uh, the him being an asset to uh, Ryan Day and Brian Hartline will be a huge step in this continuing to be the evolution of the program and the staffing of, on how they do it. Uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I, I when we talked about this on the podcast, I said that it was a home run. I still believe that. And Look, if you want quality, you are going to have to pay for quality. You know, you look at the all the analysts that like Alabama has been and used to bring in. They may or may not have been rewarded handsomely or compensated highly, but they either were or like this was the best sort of apprenticeship or internship they could find. And Alabama was getting really good, you know, talented, experienced coaches to come on board. And so... You know, Joe Philbin, not great as an NFL head coach per se, but just under a 500 record. And we talked about the decades of experience that he has, the relationship with Brian Hartline. So, yeah, like this is a, a an expensive luxury, but I think that he will be a luxury. What I find sort of wild is that Todd Fitch, who was brought in as the only offensive analyst last year, got quite a pay bump, a raise. So he was brought in last year, $48,000. Compensation this year, 250 k So half a million dollars for these two analysts, which tells me that Ryan Day is potentially really ready to take a step back. And that's another reason I'm excited about the whole analyst situation is they're putting – real money, real dollars into a couple of guys now to help support the offensive sort of like brain trust. Those numbers are big on the the surface, but let's be honest, this football program loses $225,000 in a rounding error when they're balancing <laughs> books. So, uh, you know, once they decided, I and that had to be part of the conversation, right? You're not going to be able to say, oh, we're going to pay – uh, Joe Philbin, two hundred and sixty thousand, and you're gonna make. Uh, we're gonna bump you up to fifty-two, Todd. I hope you, I hope you enjoy the ten percent raise. So they had to know that once they made this leap, it was gonna affect everybody. And a half a million dollars, uh, while a big deal, when you are charging two hundred dollars for some tickets like it's it's not that big a deal if you charge 201 dollars now and pay for the two analysts with those that extra dollar per game per ticket let's let's do it yeah i think that two hundred fifty thousand dollars is change that they find in the couch cushions but yeah i mean ryan day has only been hiring these senior advisors or high level analysts for you know like two years so if you want to entice a guy with decades of experience like Joe Philbin, and, and Todd Fitch has a ton of experience too, just not really in the NFL level, you've got to throw a couple nickels at him, right? And so I think that's what they've done here. The other thing that I wanted to bring up is Gene Smith recently 
made an appearance or uh, did an episode of an 11 Warriors podcast. And, you know, this was last week. I wanted to bring up the part about him discussing the Ohio Stadium field and turf. So he said that they have no plans to go grass. And I know that this has been talked about and debated for, you know, seemingly years now. But the thing that sort of jumped out to me and annoyed me about what Gene Smith had to say is like he almost went out of his way to mention that like the turf is more beneficial because they can use the stadium for concerts and other events. Like he almost made it like a selling point uh, to like an investor or something like, you know what I mean? But I, I know you have to bring in money, but how about you concern yourselves with the players first and then cater to George Strait? You know what I mean? No offense to George Strait. But, you know, like, it was probably a very small part of the podcast. I didn't listen to it. I did not read the entire transcript. But the way I read it, like I said, he almost went out of his way to be like, oh, well, here's why we're not. It's got nothing to do with making our players faster, fast track, air quotes. It's so we can bring in George Strait and Chris Stapleton. Uh, So... I don't know, Chuck. Am I making too big of a deal out of this? I, I think we got to back up a little bit. And, and what everybody has seemed to have forgotten, and this was an issue at Ohio State, and this has been an issue in the NFL in cold climates. Uh, I don't know if all our listeners that live in cold climates, like in December, your grass is dead. Like, Ohio State had the reason Ohio State went to field turf was because they couldn't keep sod alive because it's really hard to keep sod alive in the fall and the winter in Ohio. And we've seen it in the NFL. We've seen it at other places. Like we just can't, we can't have it both ways. Like we were complaining when the grass is bad, but then we're complaining when we have turf and it's not quote unquote as healthy for the players. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I agree that good grass is healthier for the players. But then if we put grass in, guess what it's going to be in November when they're playing Michigan? It's going to be crap. Like it's not going to be a good surface. And they're just not – they're not buying five fields a year to make it through the winter. So this part, while I, I don't understand why – like the, the everybody has forgotten. Like they've just forgotten that we had this forever. Like field yeah. turf is is brand new, right? Field turf has not been something. Now astroturf, that's a completely different uh, abomination of the seventies and eighties. But field turf has only been around for twenty years. Like when I, when we rushed the field for when they beat Michigan in two thousand and two, like yeah. we tore we tore grass up. Like it's only been turf for less than twenty years. So it's not like this is something that's been forever. It's a new thing, but it, it was better. Guess what? We could pull that grass up out of the damn ground. Like that was a problem. If I could reach down and pull on grass and it rips it up out of the ground, that just shows how not healthy that field was for those players. So the other part of it, Gene is, is notorious for putting his foot in his mouth, right? He says stuff that just because he's thinking it, he's like my kids. I try to, I try to tell him. Think for like three tenths of a second before you answer me, man, because what you're immediately thinking, you know, is not the answer I want, but he just can't help himself. And that that is reality 
is this is a a probably a 20 or 30 million dollar thing for the budget to add these concerts trust me i'm probably going to be there in august watching motley crew with my 11 year old parent of the year <laughs> as we go watch it so it's like i get it like there's going to be fifty thousand people there and we're all going to spend a hundred to two hundred to three hundred dollars a pop on tickets like we don't we don't need to be math majors at ohio state to know that that's a lot of money for the program so that part of it gene just needs to you don't have to say the truth uh and you could go about it without actually lying to people but the the grass first turf part man i just i until we come up with a turf hell the super bowl had shitty grass in it and it was in arizona and they couldn't figure out grass so like if we can't figure it out in arizona where it's warm and sunny all day uh i i'm I, I just don't understand where we're going to figure out the expectation of grass in Ohio in December. Oh, very fair. Uh, I, I love a grass, a natural grass football field, but you're right. There are reasons for doing what they do at Ohio State, and there are you know, implications, uh, fi- primarily financial, in, like you said, trying to replace field you know, every couple of months or something like that. But, uh, again, my – my bigger annoyance, my bigger frustration was with the way he sort of talked about it and phrased it. And it's like you started to say, and I thought you were going to steal the words right out of my mouth. Don't say the quiet part out loud, right? Like, don't make such Absolutely. a big deal out of like, hey, this is why it's awesome. We love our concerts. It's like, hey, let's also mention the fact that we love our players. And there is a reason that we can't do this, that, or the other. But um, a whole separate tangent. Do you think Gene went to Buckeye Country Superfest? Yeah, a thousand percent. A thousand percent he was there. um, And he was like, we can't do without this. You know, this has to stay here. And we don't want to let them ruin the grass during this. I think it's like an entire weekend or something. So, look, I get it from a money-making standpoint. It does make sense. From a maintenance standpoint, it does make sense. But, um, yeah, that's just sort of a little you know, rehash of what has happened in the past week or so. You know, it is June. These content streets are definitely dry. And so Chuck and I are going to embrace the land grant topic of the week again. Again, because really liked this one. And I think we come up, we came up with some interesting scenarios, some interesting questions. What Chuck and I did is we came up with a handful of this or that questions all related to Ohio State football and mostly pertaining to 2023. But we have a few random ones at the end too. So it's like, what is going to be most beneficial to Ohio State football in 2023? What is going to make them most successful? Like, how are they going to win more games? That's the sort of this or that that we are going to discuss. So Chuck, are you ready to jump into some theme week content? I'll take this across the board. Let me go and <laughs> plant my flag on this. Yeah, you know, I threw that out the window. I, I didn't label these this or that. I, I focused on <laughs> or. I focused on or because I felt like that was very important. So the first one that we came up with, this or that, What again, what is going to be most beneficial to Ohio State football, what is going to make them more successful, so on and so forth. 2,000 
combined rushing yards for Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, or all Big Ten play or better from Kyle McCord slash Devin Brown. And I went with 2,000 yards because Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams combined for 1,800 in 2021. Then last year, those two, along with Dallin Hayden, combined for roughly the same. as about 1,900 yards. But the duo that sort of preceded these guys was J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague in 2019, as far as a full season goes. Those two combined for 2,800 yards. So that's why I think 2,000 is well within reason, but a still you know, a pretty high number. And... You know, in my opinion, it's more important this season, the rushing yards, because, and I'm not giving away my answer, but I think that a high total is important because Justin Fields is not behind center like he was uh, in, in 2019. This offense, or that offense, was just otherworldly, right? They could do no wrong, and they could support both a 3,000-yard passer and a 2,000-yard rusher in J.K. Dobbins' um, instance. Since then, though, the Buckeyes have been a little more pass heavy, um, you know, but they're breaking in a new quarterback this year. And I think we all have some questions on how that will go. So Chuck, I know I'm sort of going on here before I turn it over to you. For me, the answer is a strong productive running game all day and twice on Saturday because that sort of running game should make Kyle McCord or Devin Brown's life much, much easier. And we know that we know what we have or what Ohio State has in the running back room, right? They've got a bunch of talented guys. I picked the two that are going to be, uh, you know, presumably your 1A and 1B. We know that those top two running backs are capable of maybe not winning a game single-handedly, but pretty close to it, right? They just haven't really had to because C.J. Stroud was behind center. So where do you come down on this? I agree, but for a different reason. The reason I think a, a strong, productive running game will be completely beneficial will be because of the new time rules that they've instituted. So obviously this year for college football, they're not going to stop the clock after first downs. So if you run off six, seven, eight first downs by running the ball on a drive, like that can that can shave six, seven, eight minutes off of a clock. And I know we feel that this sounds like I want to go back to like trestle ball, but I don't because in that scenario, then all of a sudden the defense looks so much better because they only had to play 70 snaps instead of 95 snaps and they're fresher and they can become the defense that we want them to be because they're fresher with it. Uh, the other part of it is there's a lot of good quarterbacks. Like we don't want to admit it because it's the big 10, but if you look at like JJ McCarthy's a good quarterback, we hate him, but he's a good quarterback. Like uh, Drew Lahr could be a great quarterback. Like he was a, a highly taught recruit. Tanner Mordecai threw for 400 million yards at SMU before he came to Wisconsin and Wisconsin's completely revamping. So there could be a, all Big Ten quarterback that is really, really, really good. And Kyle McCord or Devin Brown could still be just below that with that running game, and it could completely transform the team, and it could just be a dominant team instead of a dominant offense. I didn't even think about the clock component. Uh, that's a great point by you, but 
yeah, part of breaking in a new quarterback is how do you deal with the bumps and bruises along the way and the struggles along the way? So that's just another thing that could work in Ohio State's favor. And, you know, we'll talk about this a lot more in the future, but I'll say it right now. I don't think that this is going to be a 6,000-yard offense. I just – I don't. I think it's going to be different. I I have – high expectations for Kyle McCord and or Devin Brown eventually, but based on what we've seen or haven't seen, you could go either way. Like, I just don't think it's going to be as explosive. And I, I get it. We said that before about CJ Stroud, right? And he goes out and he throws for 4,000 yards, but he was a complete unknown. Kyle McCord, we've seen him and it's like, eh, you know, hits and misses. So, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that it can be the Justin Fields passing game and the J.K. Dobbins rushing game like in 2019 where both guys put up great stats and Kyle McCord and a running back or two is able to do the same thing. But um, I'm just not sure. Now, I don't think that running back play – I don't think the running backs can play really well and be productive and completely negate – Poor quarterback play. Like, this can't be a um, Joe Bowserman, just because you brought him up. I know that's a long time ago. but And I don't think that's remotely possible. But McCord and or Brown, they have to be at least above average. Um, Because then I look at it like this. An above average quarterback at Ohio State can play a secondary supporting role. And I know that sounds sort of weird when you're talking about the quarterback, the guy who touches the ball every play, and you look at the lineage of Ohio State quarterbacks in years past, they're not the supporting actor, right? They're not the the bit guy. But I look at it like this. If Henderson and Williams can be Nikola Jokic, then McCord... Or Brown, they can be like Aaron Gordon, you know, like still a high-end role player, like arguably won the Nuggets the last NBA Finals game. Like Aaron Gordon was huge, and I'm we're converging worlds here, but that's sort of how I looked at it, is you've got your star players, and in this instance, maybe Ohio State does have two star running backs, and that quarterback maybe doesn't have to do as much, but can carry the offense here and there. Yeah, it's okay to win games. 31 to 14 instead of 42 to 28, right? You still get the same concept. And in reality, it's almost a bigger margin. Like they're both like in those two scenarios, you're still two score games, but when you're not just running up and down the field, it doesn't give the, the other team the ability to also run up and down the field and come back. Like how many times are, were we holding on to like, the seat of our pants, hoping that 48 points was going to be enough to win a game the last couple of years. Like it's okay to not like, yes, they can't score 20 points a game. Especially Hold on. Some of the, are we secretly actually talking ourselves into trestle ball? Cause I feel like we're just we're walking <laughs> back. Like trestle ball would be like 14 to 10. And we throw the defense out on the field with two minutes to go and say, Hey, it's your, it's your game to win guys. Like, we the expectation is to still run through these teams and win by 14, 18, 21 points. But 
they don't always have to be 48 to 26 to be that 22 point win, right? It could be something a little bit lower, give the defense a chance to actually make some plays, keep them off the field, keep them fresh, keep the quarterback with open windows because you've got to keep guys closer to the line and go make plays. You don't have to make 25 explosive plays a game. Let's make 15 and win just as comfortably. Yeah, you're right. Even with C.J. Stroud and, uh, you know, Justin Fields going back, there have been times where Ohio State, you're right, does put up a million points, but it's still close. So that's because there is an entirely different component. And so I think that's what we want to get to. But it feels like a good time for a break, Chuck. So let's do that real quick. Let's go to break. and We'll come hey, back. What, we'll, what were you going to call what were you going to call me? I think I just said Chuck, did I not? Yeah, I think you called me a chick. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's getting to me. Maybe the pod, I need a break here. So we're going to take a short one, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about some defense. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I am Josh Dooley. With me is Chuck Holmes, getting right back into theme week content, this or that. So Chuck and I, again, are talking about either ors or different scenarios that are going to sort of lead to greater success or help Ohio State football in 2023. So the next one, we looked at running back, quarterback play first. This one's all about the defense. So, Chuck, this or that, what is going to help out Ohio State? 15-plus interceptions slash much-improved secondary play or 40-plus sacks slash better pass rush. Now, the Buckeyes totaled 23 interceptions over the last two seasons, but, you know, even with... Jeff Okuda and guys like that in the secondary interceptions have not always been indicative of success, which is why I threw out a number plus going up a level or two. And as far as sacks go, Ohio state has finished each of the last two seasons in the 30 to 35 range, but they finished with 53 sacks in 2019 with chase young racking up 16 and a half. And remember Jim Knowles' Oklahoma State defense led the country in 2021. So 40, in theory, is an attainable number. He knows how to create pressure. That being said, Chuck, what will be more important to Ohio State's defense in 2023? What makes them you know, dominant or more do- dominant, more picks, more sacks? It's the defensive line improving and getting pressure on the quarterback because that is so it's something that just helps every play. Even if they only get 40 sacks, if you're getting 40 sacks, that means you're getting pressure 140 times or whatever number, a huge number. And when that happens, it's just a domino effect, right? One of uh, numerous things could happen. Even if you don't get to the quarterback, but you put pressure on them, you can force him to throw it too soon. In that case, your secondary doesn't have to cover as long because the ball's coming out quicker. It could force an errant throw because his mechanics are messed up because his feet are dancing or whatever it may be. It could cause a play call change because they don't trust that they can run a five-step drop 
or they don't trust that they can run deep crossers and they need to run something underneath. And now all of a sudden it's third and five instead of them being able to take a shot down the field. Like it completely changes how you call your defense and how the opponent calls an offense if you can get after the quarterback. So that part of it, to me, it's like a no brainer. And with the, like you said, the interceptions aren't always indicative of success. Uh, just look at uh, Trayvon Diggs in the NFL. My man has 27 interceptions every year and is burnt toast two or three times a game. So if they get that kind of pressure, though, it is going to just it's going to make everybody else on the defense better. And like when you think of the silver bullet defense, uh, you think of them getting after the quarterback and smashing heads. Yeah, I'm totally with you on this one. It's sort of like the chicken or the egg, but I I agree with you that pressure up front is going to make lives easier in the back end. And I think it's almost a guarantee that I'm putting myself out there, but I do think it's almost a guarantee that the secondary is better this year because of Davis and Igbenosin, Jihad Carter, a more more experienced versions of Jordan Hancock and Jair Brown. Like I just don't think they can be as bad as they were last year. And so you know, up front though, it's sort of the same guys. Now, they're a little bit older, but they haven't received necessarily this talent infusion. It's just different guys sort of hopefully stepping their game up. So I'm with you. I think the pressure up front is of the utmost importance. I think that Ohio State needs 40 plus sacks. I'd love to see one or two guys sort of really set themselves apart. We've talked about JT Tuimoloau. Jack Sawyer is somebody finally going to have 10 plus sacks this year. It's been, seems like forever since Chase Young dominated because Ohio State's leading sack artist in quotes, is like six sacks per year, and that's just not going to get it done. So I'm hoping for a resurgence of that unit. And I'll also say this, though, that as far as the secondary goes, even if the secondary is better 90% of the time, they can't give up big plays the other 10% of the time. And so I'm throwing the number of interceptions out the window here and just talking about the level of play. If they are better most of the time, but still give up those big plays, then Ohio State's defense is still going to be in trouble. They can't have those coverage busts and give up bombs like they did in the latter part of 2022. Yeah, I don't care what kind of team you are. If you're in a dogfight and you look up and it's a coverage bust and they're going for 80 yards uh, once or twice a half uh, in that scenario, a la Michigan, a la Georgia, like it's it's just a, it's a backbreaker. It's more than just they scored seven more points. Like that is a completely demoralizing aspect of the game. And then it all of a sudden the, the offense is questioning, well, how many points are we going to have to score? Like, how can we not even get a break? The defensive lines like guys, can't you like, we can't get there in 1.8 seconds. The linebackers are just kind of hanging out at that point because the ball's out so damn fast. Like it's just, it, you're right. It's And it's more than just the yards and the score. It just completely demoralizes an entire football team. And then it forces you to take risks and, and call plays that you shouldn't normally call on the other parts of the ball. Think about the um, the, the Sugar Bowl. Like, like, there's part of me that thinks that 
they didn't push the ball down the field and try to score because they didn't want to kick the ball with any time left. Like they did not want to give Georgia 10 seconds because they were convinced that they could stop them for 10 damn seconds. So that part of it, like that, you, you give Ryan day a little bit of truth serum and that would come out in my opinion. It's like the Trayvon Diggs thing that you brought up on steroids. You know, Trayvon Diggs still shows up in the pro bowl or whatever, a skills competition. They don't really have a pro bowl. Speaking of hanging out. Yeah. Cause He's got the good numbers, and for the most part, he you know defends these superstar wide receivers pretty well. But it's like that on steroids. If Ohio State steps it up, but we see a repeat of the Michigan secondary, uh, you know, or the Michigan game, then it's ultimately not going to matter. So um, we've gone offense, we've gone defense. Chuck, I gave you just a little bit of a hint. Uh, about this next this or that it's sort of an obscure topic so let me work with it here so for Ohio State and their ultimate success in 2023 which one is more important here this or that 700 plus yards from the third receiver position or 500 plus yards from the tight end position. So to give a little context here, I am of the belief that an inexperienced quarterback's best friend is a capable tight end. And I know that Julian Fleming or Carnell Tate or whomever as a third wide receiver sounds great, but the Olave Wilson JSN thing, that was an anomaly. If you go back and look, Ohio State's third wide receiver, third leading wide receiver in recent seasons has been around six, seven, eight hundred yards, except for last year. Julian Fleming was the third leading wide receiver. He finished with 533 yards. And guess what? It didn't hurt the Buckeyes because Cade Stover sort of came out of nowhere, became a thing, and racked up 406 yards and five touchdowns. So if you just want to throw out the numbers, what do you think helps the new quarterback more? A super productive third wide receiver or a tight end or possibly combination of tight ends that can create mismatches and be an underneath sort of safety blanket? I'm going to kind of twist your question a little bit. I think that if the third receiver hits 700 yards, that's a really good sign that they were productive quarterbacks because Ohio state doesn't use their receivers as outlets. So if they have, if the quarterback's playing well enough to distribute it to the third receivers for 700 yards, I think that's a good sign that they are confident and throwing the ball and they're, they're whipping it around like they can, because if they struggle, uh, it's going to be, it's just going to be Marv, right? He's going to be the one. Like his numbers aren't, I don't think his numbers change no matter how good or bad the quarterback is. He may have, maybe it's less uh, yards per catch, but he's still going to get his catches and his numbers because he's so good and he's the one that they're going to force it to. Especially if it, to. especially if it's McCord, right? That's his boy. Uh, like he's going to see the targets come. Yeah. I mean, he played, uh, what do you play, a series? I think he got 22 targets in that one series. (laughs) So if they're capable, like if they're, if they have time and they have the confidence that they can distribute the ball like that, uh, I I think that's a good sign. For 
them to be successful, it probably is a tight end. But we discussed this a few pods ago. It's the year of the tight end every year at Ohio State. Uh, the first year that it happened, or the the next time it happens, will be the first time that it happens. That's fair, and normally, uh, you know, I would say shame on you for twisting my question, but that's that's a really good point. If your question sucked as you wrote it, if the third leading wide receiver finishes with seven hundred plus yards, then I think Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever it is, probably exceeded my expectations, honestly. But the real reason I came up with this question is because. I have some ulterior motive in sort of asking about the position and bringing up tight ends because I think that Jelani Thurman is an absolute freak show. And I think that he could finally be Ohio State's next gen tight end. So I want to see him involved. Also, you know, again, I just don't see the new quarterback being able to consistently feed the three, the three, productive wide receivers i'd actually be surprised if both marvin harrison jr and emeka igbuka both exceed a thousand yards um and so that's why i think that we will see the tight end involved regardless not just because Cade stover has proven himself to be reliable not only because i believe a steady tight end presence to be a quarterback's best friend but also because i think that in thurman they have a guy that they have not had before. You know, I think about Jeremy Ruckert. He was, I think, the number two tight end in the country. And look, he was a really, really good athlete. But he, Jelani Thurman is like, um, you know, Jeremy Ruckert and LeBron James combined. Or so, you know, like, he is a... Oh, my God. I, I'm just saying, like, if you look at the guy, he passes a different eye test that Jeremy Ruckert never passed. G. Scott Jr. never got there. Cade Stover is not that level of athlete. I think athlete-wise, Jelani Thurman is probably maybe comparable to Ricky Dudley because you think about a guy who was like a decent basketball player and a super productive tight end. Like Those are few and far between. So I just think he, he brings something unique and different to the table and why I see the tight end maybe getting more involved this year. I hope you're right and I'm wrong, but I just got a feeling that June of 2025, you and I are going to have a podcast episode titled is 2025 the year of the tight end at Ohio State? Question mark. It's just, it's such a luxury that very few teams have, right? Like, if you have Travis Kelsey, you have something that no other team has. And that, granted, rare, few and far between, right? But even if it's a Mark Andrews or something like that, a superstar tight end is a cheat code in most offenses. So that is the end of sort of the this or that scenarios that we've talked about. I saved some because I wanted to hit Chuck with a rapid fire towards the the back half of this episode, back third of this episode. So Chuck, you ready for some more rapid fire? I'm going to phrase a lot to you. I'm in. Rapid fire away. Okay. This or that leads to Better future pro, um, we'll, we'll say in three years, Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud? C.J. Stroud. 
Uh, I just think his his accuracy is going to play so well in the NFL. Okay. You want to get off the mic. This doesn't have to be that rapid fire. I want to extrapolate okay. on this just a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the, the, Justin Fields still has a lot of questions, right? We believe he can throw, but he hasn't proved that he can throw NFL offensive throws. So he he has a a lot to work towards where I think C.J. Stroud just – he has the NFL tools – that he needs. His arm is big enough. His accuracy is there. Like that's not, they're raving about his accuracy already in Houston. Now I get it. They're going to rave, but uh, they, that part of it is just going to be the, the thing that separates you. Like you have to fit the, the open wide open windows that he had at Ohio state are gone. And, but he's got the skill that I think he can, he can be just fine. I think CJ Stroud will ultimately become a better passer. But asset-wise, like, there's just something about Justin Fields, man. Like, and this is no shot against C.J. Stroud, but who have we seen more leadership from? Who have we seen more, like, guts and moxie from? Who have we seen run without tripping over his own shoelaces? I think that Justin Fields has certain things that C.J. Stroud never will. Now, you can tell me that Justin Fields will never have C.J. Stroud's accuracy, but I don't know, man. Like, I think about the 1920 seasons, and, you know, Justin Fields does have a cannon, and there were stretches where he was otherworldly accurate, and for whatever reason, that hasn't translated to the NFL. Maybe it's because guys aren't running all over the place um, wide open, but, you know, think about dropping it in a bucket to Chris Olave against... Clemson, Justin Fields can make some special, special throws. And so uh, if C.J. Stroud shows the ability to run and be more of a modern quarterback, not like Justin Fields, I'm just saying more of a modern quarterback, then I think maybe they sort of are on a level playing field. But until I see C.J. Stroud sort of put his body on the line and become more of a vocal leader and like a franchise leader i'm gonna go with justin fields and you're wrong <laughs> we'll see man next sort of rapid fire quasi rapid fire we know that a national championship is the ultimate goal but if it's the three of us in a room for ryan day personally do you think that he would rather beat that team up north in the upcoming regular season or georgia in the next college football playoff it's the team up north because you didn't give me beat georgia for the national title if we beat them for the national title that because the national title shuts everybody up but if he beats georgia in the semis and loses to alabama in the finals and he lost to michigan we're back to last week's episode about how he's looking at nfl jobs in my opinion so I, I think it's Michigan, and if he gets to a playoff and loses to by a, a score to Georgia, and the season ends thirteen and one because he beat Michigan and beat the brakes off of them, especially, then all will be forgotten for at least a couple months in Buckeye Land. Yeah, I think that's a thousand percent true. This question is probably much more clear cut. I'm just thinking about <clears throat> the six weeks in between. The Michigan game and any potential college, like those would be so miserable that he would just have to 
then he would have to, you know, enact the ultimate revenge, vengeance, Cinderella, you know, whatever to get back on the right side of things. But I think that's a pretty clear cut one. So, so related here, next rapid fire, this or that. Chuck, what would you rather see? An Ohio State national championship in football or basketball? You said a national championship in both? Yes. I I mean, it, it's football, but for me, it's not far behind. Like, I love March Madness, and I love uh, watching that. And, and watching UConn this past year was so enjoyable to me personally that it, it's it's pretty, pretty close. Um, I think the the part that kind of weighs it all down for me is the Ohio State basketball program is so far away from that being even close to a reality that you're just like, well, we're just we're talking about fairy tale land here at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, <clears throat> it's like a 10-9 round for me as far as like what I want to see most because I just I live and breathe Ohio State football, but I I do love Ohio State basketball. And to your point, March Madness is great, and Ohio State hasn't won a basketball national title since what, like 60, 62, something like that. I should probably know that, but it, football is going to always rule all for me. What would mean more? Probably a national title. Actually, you know what? Like, would a national title in college basketball mean more for Ohio State, or is football? always going to be king unless like unless the basketball team starts rattling off like you know three and ten years or something like that i think what it would do like ohio state football is already legitimized as a top three or four program in the country the basketball program doesn't have that and if they won a national championship that would put them in the conversation with the top programs and that's so long term at least over the next four or five years that could mean something if ohio state goes 13-1 this year and loses in the national championship or 14-1 loses in the title game like they're still considered the exact same they're considered right now it would not harm them it would not harm recruiting it would not harm any of that but holtman and the boys go win a national championship i let's go check uconn's recruiting it's ridiculous right now because they went one like that stuff matters more in basketball yeah, I sort of look at it like um, with Alabama. Ohio State has a much more prestigious basketball program, but now Alabama's basketball program is one of the best in the country and was the odds-on favorite to win the, the national title last year in basketball. But even if they had, like, you know, I, I don't know when March Madness ends, but end of April, beginning of May, everyone's talking about Alabama football not Alabama basketball. And I think Ohio State basketball would still sort of deal with that. But it, yeah, it, it would legitimize them in a much different like way and, you know, get them back to, it was a, it was a big deal when Thad Mata was at Ohio State. Like it was a huge deal. And so I'd like to see that. But as far as national titles go, I would prefer one in football. Last rapid fire I've got here for you, Chuck, and then I know you want to bring up viewer or listener questions. Sorry. So last one, this or that. Would you rather have your face and my beautiful golf swing or your golf swing and my beautiful face? 
Oh man, my golf swing sucks. So I I just don't think I could keep my swing and make it be anything that I wanted to live with long term. So I'll go with your half ugly face and my swing. Yeah, you didn't listen to the question correctly. I was beautiful in both of those instances, but um, just sort of brought that up joking around. I think we went through some really good this or that's and you know, hopefully we took a different approach that wasn't win this game or win that game or, um, you know, this player or that player, this offense or that offense, something like that. So um, hope you guys all liked that, but I'm going to turn it back over to Chuck. I know he wants to talk about some listener questions. Yeah. So first off, let me start with, we've got a new and official hangout in the Holy Land email address for you guys email i know not everybody's on the twitter machine so those of you i'm sure there's plenty of you there might be even thousands of you that have not gotten to to talk to us because you haven't been able to dm us on twitter so holylandpodosu at gmail.com is our new official email whoever had holylandpod by itself screw you what the hell are you doing stealing our email address? So, again, holylandpodosu at gmail.com. Send them in because I this first one, and this is another gym. I don't know what it is about gyms, but uh, this young man is not was not real happy with us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna edit some of this uh, because we <laughs> we we can't <laughs> we can't have some of this on there. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and try here. I sure wish you bleeping bleeps would shut the bleep up and just talk about OSU. So Jim's not a big fan of listener questions, but he gave us one or he, he gave us a listener comment. So Jim's a big Buckeye fan and doesn't want to hear anything but Buckeye. Hey, stop. Friends close, enemies closer. So, you know, listeners close, haters closer, in my opinion. Yeah, Jim, my man. Yeah, here's the thing. You were already listening to us, so that, what's that say about you? That's an indictment on your life that you're listening to us. Uh, uh, good news. Breaking news. They listened. We've got our first female question. All right. Female listener question. Yeah. Yeah. So Sydney. Uh, Sydney did let me know that she was a female because there's she she wanted to be the first. So she was the first one to let me know that she was a female listener that was uh, DMing us. Uh, hopefully my wife doesn't know that there are women DMing us on a regular. <laughs> Just day. get to the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sydney wants to know. Uh, this is actually kind of similar to a, a, a this or that. Uh, she wanted to know if we as fans would prefer to go to the next Ohio State win against Michigan or to the next Ohio State win in a national championship and be present. <laughs> so, well, I was, I've been present for – arguably one of the greatest Ohio State over Michigan wins. You know, um, we rushed the field. That was a great one. I've 
Uh, I think I've ultimately been to two or three. I don't even remember how many I went to as a student at this point. Um, you and I went to the big house to watch them lose. That wasn't very fun. So, you know, but she didn't talk about venue. Regardless, I've seen Ohio State beat Michigan. I have not watched Ohio State or I've not witnessed Ohio State win a national championship. So it would be national championship for me. 11 times out of 10. Yeah, at this point, I agree, because we, we've been around. We, we've been spoiled that we've seen a well, lot and of I, State. I live in Columbus, and I've been to Ann Arbor. Like, I'm good. I'd rather go to wherever they're going to win a national title. Yeah, I agree. We've been around a lot of – and we've been fortunate enough to see a lot of Ohio State victories over Michigan, right, even just watching. So uh, we are um, – probably the wrong people to ask because we've had those experiences we couldn't get my cavalier all the way to tempe to watch the o2 national <laughs> championship <laughs> so we had to watch that one on tv so i agree i would rather watch a national championship in person than and and plus uh, like this is terrible but like we're too old to be hanging out on campus after a, a victory but at like the national championship, you gotta have a little bit of cash. Like this is a little bit of an older crowd. They're more our current demographic, and it might be somebody that we would have a little more fun with because they're living a similar lifestyle than what we're currently living. See, I disagree. I can still if I if I shave, I'm fine. <laughs> I can get into any campus bar and not look too too out of place. Just pin the wrinkles back a little bit, but. You better get some Cerave or something to put on those things. All right, you got any more for me? All right. I, I, I got one more. This one is a I, – I, I, our, our people are speaking to us, and you're not going to have an answer for this, and uh, I'm, I'm going to chuckle. Uh, who you got in the uh, College World Series, the Men's College World Series? There was no – there was no – vote for the women's because Oklahoma's going to ride no matter what. So who you got in the college world series? They have it. Now keep in mind, we're still in the super regional. So you've got quite a few teams to pick from Virginia. Are, are, are we serious right now? Here's the only reason why this, this is where we're at. Here's the only reason why. Um, I know they're a fairly decent program program and Andrew Abbott, who uh, was recently called up by the Cincinnati Reds and may never give up an earned run as long as he is in the bigs. I know he went to Virginia, so give me give me the hoosh. Is that what they call them, the hoos, the hoosh? I'll take Virginia to win the College Baseball World Series. Virginia's not even going to beat Duke to make to the College World Series. I hate to break that to you, pal. So, Aren't they still alive? alive? I got you down. You got you down. They're still alive, but Duke's going to beat them. Right? Duke's a better team. Um even though they're in Charlottesville, I still think Duke's a better team. So I got you down for Virginia. Uh, give me the team with the most talent, uh, and I'll take the LSU Tigers. Okay. Is Wake Forest still I, in I it, too? Them. Yeah, Wake Forest is number one team in the country. See, I almost went them, but I didn't want to go chalk or what I thought was chalk, so. They, they're not good enough on a regular basis to even consider that chalk. It's actually really impressive what they've done this year. So I think it, you would have been okay. But I've got you down uh, for Virginia now. Uh, and I'll, I'll stick with the team that could potentially have the number one and number two pick in this year's MLB draft. Hey, real quick. So does that make LSU 
the best <clears throat> does that give them the best triad? Football, baseball, basketball. We'll just, real quick, bring this up since that's your team that you're going to go with. Are they the best triad right now? Mm, yes, but a, a good year by Quinn Ewers this year could make it Texas, I think, because their okay. basketball team obviously went to the Elite Eight, and the baseball team's still in it as well. So if, if, if uh, Sam Ellinger was right and we're back, then – uh, Texas could make a run at it, but yeah, LSU probably is the best because Florida stinks in basketball and football. You would think they would be a part of it. What about Bama's baseball program? So, <laughs> so did they have the cheater? Uh, yeah. So Alabama is where the coach got fired for sending out the information and the bets got placed in Cincinnati, but they're still in it. Uh, they made it through regionals. Now they're playing Wake Forest. So, but yeah, you figure their football team was a national championship contender last year. Their basketball team was too. And now their baseball teams in the super regional. So LSU and or Alabama, I, I think you're you're one A and one B there, and probably flip flop either way. And they're all they're all doing it the right way, right? You know, Alabama's baseball program is doing it the right way. Um, Alabama's basketball program, salt of the earth. You know, no instances there. So uh, now, whatever. That's that's something else entirely that's probably going to get us in trouble so we probably need to get out of here for this week uh that is the end of the pod but again go check us out send us something via email now because like chuck said we know that not everyone is on twitter if you are find us at holy land pod hit us up dms comments whatever we want to hear from you we love those listener questions uh and all that good stuff so until next week i'm josh dooley for chuck holmes We're out of here and go Bucks.